Something, you know? Yeah. Wild. It's crazy. You want to know what else is crazy? <clears throat> we're now rolling. Oh, oh that's We're cool. rolling. All right. We've and got we're on. Harry Basil. Harry I Basil. Love your band. It's great. You like that? I like that. When's the last time anybody chanted your name? Um, Tell the truth. About an hour ago. <laughs> yeah? My I don't partner, feel Jamie, I don't feel special Jamie Masada, <laughs> who owns the Laugh Factory. Right. You know, whenever he calls you or you call him, he repeats your name over and over again. Come so on. He'll go, Harry Basil, ladies and gentlemen, Harry Basil, Harry Basil, ladies and gentlemen, Harry Basil, Harry Basil, ladies and gentlemen. So I thought this was really cute, right? you know, to find out he does that with every comic that he talks to. Like, he'll go, you know, Don Marrera, Louis Anderson, ladies and gentlemen, Louis Anderson, Louis Anderson. We all thought, oh, this is unique, right. you know. But anyway. That's just his shtick. Yeah, it's his shtick. Yeah. Is he a nice guy? He seems like a really nice guy. Uh, Jamie Masada? Yeah. He's the greatest. I've never met him. Is that He's crazy? Great. He loves comics. He does so much... Yeah, you know, does, you know, I don't know if you know what he does, but uh, you know, the Laugh Factory's been on uh, uh, Sunset Boulevard since '79. Yep. He does. Uh, he feeds the homeless. Yep. Every Thanksgiving and every Christmas. He does. That's yeah. And all the amazing. comics come. The famous comedians like Tim Allen will be there serving stuff. Yeah. Game, what? Chris D'Elia will be carving turkey. And, yeah. Uh, they serve the homeless and 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 out of work actors or comedians that have nowhere to go. Yeah, that's really it's great. Really terrific. Yeah, because I remember I used to drive by there a lot when I lived in L.A. and he would always it would always be on the side of the building. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how did you get involved? Like, so you you did stand up yourself for a long time. I've been a stand up for like thirty something years. I I, I was uh, started at the comedy store in Hollywood and. Then my first time performing in Vegas was at the Dunes Hotel, which is where the Bellagio is now. It was an old hotel called the Dunes, and the Comedy Store was there. So that was actually the first comedy club with more than like two or three comedians. There was know? an actual comedy store? There was a comedy store in I the main showroom at the Dunes, yeah. And that was in 84 that it opened. Yep. May 4th, 1984, my birthday, I was 24 years old, and uh, the opening week was Louis Anderson, Argus Hamilton, Blake Clark, Jim Carrey, Paul Rodriguez, Andrew Dice Clay, and me. Wow. Any big names? Yeah, I know. <laughs> listen, the magazine cover said, unknown band of zanies invade the dunes. No! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next time you're up in the Laugh Factory, in the green room, it's on the wall. I was gonna uh, ask you, you have know, it, yeah. Laugh Factory here? Yeah, okay. uh, up in our club, uh, I have the, the magazine cover uh, framed. Uh, upstairs, and it says "Unknown Band of Zanies in Day of the Dunes." It's pretty cool. That's pretty wow. amazing. Yeah. Anyway, so I played the the comedy store, and you know, then over the years, the Improv and the Laugh Factory, and then I became pretty friendly with Jamie Masada. And uh, when Brad Garrett had his club here, I was trying to get booked, and I found out that he was leaving. You know, he was opening a new room across the street, so I knew that that room upstairs was going to be available. And my partner at the time, Joseph Murray, was very good friends with Alex Yemenjian, who used to own the hotel. Okay. And uh, I said, there's a great comedy room opening up. Brad's leaving. It was the comedy stop for 20 years, and it was Rodney Dangerfield's comedy club back in the 80s. I said, we need a brand. It's got to be you know, either the Comedy Store or the Laugh Factory, and I was really tight with Jamie Masada. So we reached out to Jamie and said, we've got a room, and we all came here and saw the room and shook hands and made the deal, and it's been eight years now that we've been uh, going strong. Up there. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm, I'm the sweat equity. I'm the general manager, yep. the booker. My partner Joseph's the money guy, and Jamie's the brand, the CEO. That's great. Yeah. Now, do you still perform yourself? Yeah, I'm actually performing in a couple weeks. I'll let you know when I'm here. Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, the week of 
the 11th or something like November 11th. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Not yeah. next week, but the week right after. Right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm performing Monday through Thursday, and then a different headliner comes in okay. uh, on the weekend. You've got some great guys lined up over the next yeah, few weeks, yeah. so it's, right? Got, it's like Dice, Dom. Dom. Then we've got... Dom Herrera. Uh, then we've got uh, Greg Morton from America's Got Talent. He's the guy that did the... Yeah. Uh, Star Wars, Star Wars voices. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be here New Year's Eve, and then Dice is going to be here New Year's Eve week as well for just two nights. Uh, and then we have Earthquake right now doing a residency, yep. and Phase on Love is coming next week. Wow! From uh, Couples Retreat, yeah. and, you know, a bunch of yeah, uh, yeah, Elf. Yeah. Remember him and Elf? He's yeah. uh, he's African American guy in the department store. Yeah, the manager. Santa's coming. Santa's coming. You know that scene? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's exciting, and then. Uh, Rodeo week, we have John Wesley Austin, who's like a cowboy comic. You know, mm -hmm. we try to mix it up, you know. Do you like the booking side of it? I do. You know, one thing is I get to find new talent, but then I also get to book guys that are old school buddies, like Dom Irera. We had, uh, we had, um, what's his name? Uh, Lenny Clark, you know, from Boston. Sure. Who's in, you know, and he's in all the Farrelly Brothers movies. Yep. He's an old friend from the comedy store days back in the 80s. So, you know, I get to book some buddies and some new people that I really like a lot. This week, we have uh, Kate Quigley. I love very, Kate. very funny female comedian. She's got a huge social media following, and uh, she's got a really uh, KQ funny. Yeah, she's yeah. really she's really up and coming. She's, she's actually been on my other show on Action Junkies oh, yeah? uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, I love Kate. She's great. She's ballsy, man. She yeah. isn't afraid. She has so much confidence on stage, and she's very funny. Her she she Instagram started taking her posts down. But she used to do a thing on Instagram. She would post, you'll appreciate this, Nat. She used to post things that guys, stupid things guys would DM her. She would just post. Like screenshot and Yeah, then, screenshot oh. it and uh, yeah. She would blur out their name, I think. Right. But yeah, she would yeah, just yeah. post the actual stuff. content. Like yeah. these guys say the dumbest things to her. It's so crazy that she would just but her comebacks yeah. are great. Last time she was here, we had some weird Almost like a stalker, you know what I mean? Like he, but he kept buying tickets to come back to see her. So I'm yeah. like, all right, fine. Okay. As long as security keeps her, sure, him and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kate's easy on the eyes. Okay, so, yeah. that's what I'm picking up. Yes. Picking up a yes. good-looking lady. Yeah, gotcha. She's beautiful. Yeah. Now you used to tour with Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, it was his opening act for like 17 years. That you must have stories for it days. It was. It was great. Uh, you know he. Uh, he had these HBO specials, uh, young comedian specials back in the 80s, yeah. that he introduced guys like Sam Kennison and yep. Andrew Dice Clay and Seinfeld and all these comics that were on it. So I was on the very first one. And then after he did about two or three specials, he decided to do like a show, Rodney Dangerfield and Friends. I remember and it that. Was gonna, it was basically like a live tour with some of the hand-picked guys from his specials. So I did it with Bob Saget and, and uh, Schimmel, Robert Schimmel. Yeah. And it's the first time Rodney ever saw my whole act. And we were in Long Beach at the Performing Arts Center and I got a standing ovation. And he was like, man, you want to open for me? So I started opening for him on the road. And then one week he goes, man, you, your whole act of spoofing movies, have you ever written a script before? And I said, well, I just read a book on screenwriting. And, uh, Which so book? Was it the it Sid Field? Uh, how, how to write a screenplay in 21 days. Yeah, okay. And it was given to yeah. me by Steven, Steve Oderkirk, who's a famous director sure. uh, and wrote the, uh, the Ace Ventura movies and yep. Bruce Almighty. And uh, so I read this book and Rodney showed me a treatment and said, do you want to write a longer treatment with me? And I did. We wrote, we took his 10-page treatment and turned it into a 35-page treatment. 
And then he goes, hey, man, you want to write the script? And he kept paying me. Like, I bought my first house with this money. And he originally told me, you're not going to get credit, that it's his idea. So I yeah. said, okay, fine, I'm making money. So we wrote a screenplay. And then at the end of the screenplay, he said, uh, I'm going to give you writing credit because you put a lot into this movie. Wow. And cut to 10 years later, I directed the film. It was my first movie that I directed. It's called The Fourth Tenor. It's an opera comedy where Rodney owns a restaurant with singing waiters in New York, and he falls in love with this waitress, this singing waitress, and she tells him that she can only love a man who can sing opera, but he can't sing a note, so he goes to Italy to learn how to become an opera singer, and it's a really sweet, it's kind of like Moonstruck. Yeah. It's got a lot of funny Italian actors, Vince Schiavelli's in it, you know, the guy from Ghost. Yep, Get off yep. my train. Sure. Uh, Richard Libertini and Robert Davi is in it, and uh, we made it in, it was like one of the last movies he did before he died, mm. 2001, and uh, I got to direct it. It was my directorial debut. I need to see this movie. Yeah, yeah it's really cute. It's called The Fourth Tenor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can I find it? Like I think you can get it on like Amazon, Amazon or Prime yeah. or something like that. Uh, but if not, I'll, I might have a DVD. I'll bring a DVD and uh, you know give you. Yeah, a DVD. yeah, yeah. It's really cute. Do you even have a DVD player? I, I do. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's I'm not a typical school. Rodney Dangerfield movie though. I mean, he does right. a lot of one-liners, but it's a sweet, more heart, clean, more. Uh, yeah, it's like P rated PG. I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's cute. Not a lot of people have seen it. Sadly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately. You should have a screening in your club. You know what? You should have a movie I still night. have a print. I have two prints on 35 millimeter, okay? Because we shot it on film. And we shot it in 2001. And we shot a scene in New York. We shot most of the movie on the back lot at Universal Studios using the New York streets. And, you know, we built sets. And then we went to Santa Inez, like where they shot Sideways, to use that as wine country in Italy. Yeah. And then um, we used some stock shots, but we went to New York to shoot some scenes in New York, and we shot down by the Brooklyn Bridge with the World Trade Centers in the background. And uh, Rodney and Charlie Fleischer, the voice of Roger Rabbit. Of course. So He's hilarious. So when we had a screening, you know, 9-11 happened right after the movie. So people were watching the movie, and you still see the Twin Towers oh. there. And oh. everybody's going, oh, they must have shot this before. Right. So we digitally removed the towers. So we really? have two prints, one with it and one without it. But the print that you see on, you know, TV or on, uh, you know, on um, streaming is uh, yeah. without the towers, you know. Wow. It's kind of sad. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Is it me or has... Con like it's you. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. It's always him. That's it's always Italian. me. Yeah. And by the way, I should probably say it's it's Halloween. Happy Halloween. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't just dress up like yeah. this on a regular. So you're what are you? You're not I Prince mean, today. You've I been not Prince, Prince all week. I've been Prince. I actually like went to a she store. Look, you look a little bit like uh, uh, Marissa Tomei as a cat. Okay, oh, I see it. I like actually Mr. see it. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. From My Cousin Vinny? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great movie. She still looks great. Yeah, she, she does. does. She plays Spider-Man's Man, uh, Spider yeah. uh, aunt, uh, yeah. uh, what is it, Aunt May or whatever? Yep, yep. She's like a yeah. hot Aunt May. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Iron Man's always, uh, you know, flirting with her. Yeah. No, she's she's a hottie. And you may think I've gone as a Dodger today, but I'm actually... I, what are you? I'm not the what you think. The suspense is killing Natalini. me. I'm a, I'm a Dodger coach because I'm old. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm going as a coach. Yeah, so. Nicely done. No, you said dress up. This is like, just. I asked him. Well, I know we talked about yeah. dressing up for this episode vaguely last week. Yeah. And then I text him at one. I'm like, are you wearing a costume? Yeah, I'm like, shit. Uh, costume, really? We did a. Uh, I this did a movie. I did a movie with Rodney called Ladybugs, where he yep. coaches a girls' soccer. I remember team, that movie. And then he has Jonathan Brandis dresses up as a girl to play on the team. At the end of the movie, we had Tommy Lasorda played like a, a coach of a softball team. You know, we called him Coach. 
cannoli or something like that. <laughs> anyway, he kept calling Rodney, like Rodney's name in the in the movie was Chester, right? But he kept calling Rodney Rodney because we're shooting a movie, you know. So we're going, so he go, he's going, listen, Rodney, and he's going, Chester, right? He's yeah. going Chester, yeah. <laughs> but but Tommy Lasorda is not an actor, you know, right. he's a coach, you know. But he's so used to doing those commercials where they all play themselves, you know. Yeah. Anyway, that reminded me. You gotta love Tommy. I uh, I had a meeting. I've known Tommy since I'm six, seven years old because we had season tickets and stuff, and he's been friends with my dad forever. And I had a meeting with him. You know, he's getting older now. Obviously, yeah. he's he's uh, it's gotta be in his 80s. I want to say he's 90. 90. Oh God bless. I feel him. like he's 90 because my dad. Yeah, my dad sang to him. Uh, happy birthday at Dodger Stadium during a game for his 85th, and that was about five years ago. So oh, I think wow. he's 90. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but uh, when he was around 85, but he looks 89. He does. Yeah, he, he looks, does. He, he's like a you know, He's had work 89. done. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, when he was like 85, I had a meeting with him, like a business meeting, at Dodger Stadium in his office, and you gotta love him. He's literally. Fu- this is to tell you how good I am at pitching. Uh, I'm pitching him this this idea. And pitching like this kind of pitching? No, no, pitching like verbal? yeah, okay. like verbal pitch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's falling asleep while I'm talking to him, literally. And I'm looking at my friend Colin. Uh, Colin, shout out to Colin Gunderson, who was his assistant at the time. I'm looking at him like, what do I do? Like, you know, I love it. Like it's broad daylight, yeah. and he's just falling. Asleep. And then, then he would like wake up, yeah. and I just kept going. Like I just decided like. Okay, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, but this is just like <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is gonna be this a great fun. memory. This is a great story. And, and I've been calling him Uncle Tommy for since I'm little, this and this is just a cool <laughs> Uncle Tommy story. Rodney used to fall asleep when we were right, like we're working on a movie, and sometimes I'd be reading the script out loud, and I see him that he's kind of falling asleep in his chair. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going, all right, do I wake him? Oh, yeah. What do I do? You know, he's asleep. So I would go like this. I would, I would kind of be asleep. <laughs> And I wait for him to wake up and see me asleep, like we were both just napping. And one time his wife Joan walked in and we're both like asleep on the, on the table. But I once saw Rodney eat a sandwich in his sleep. We were coming back from a gig. I don't know if your dad has ever played uh, West Westbury? Westbury, yeah. Westbury Music Fair. Yep, okay? yep. So we're driving back into the city from Westbury in the limo. And they had all those roast... They had roast beef and yeah. sandwiches yeah, and everything yeah, yeah. in the green room there. So Rodney meant man, a roast beef sandwich. He loved a roast beef sandwich, right? So he's eating a roast beef sandwich. He's falling asleep. <laughs> and then we'd hit a bump. And he'd keep chewing on the sandwich. Fall asleep with a sandwich in his mouth. That's hilarious. I've never heard of that. Did he have like narcolepsy or did he just... No, but he was just tired. The road you know kicks your ass. Just Plus, you likes know, to take a lot to nap. Yeah. Plus he would be up to like... Four in the morning, you know, he'd go to sleep at four. Sometimes he would leave me a message and go, Harry, this is Rodney, you know, give me a call. You know me, I'm up 12, 2, 3, you know what I mean? Because yeah. those were his hours of a, a nightclub comic. And then he'd go to sleep at like three or four and wake up at like one. Right. You know? mm-hmm. and that, that, was that was the his, schedule yeah. for all entertainners, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, a lot of those yeah. guys. The vampire yeah. life. Sinatra. Yeah, my dad for sure, 100%. My dad used to fall asleep. I remember being really little, and he would be like, I remember one specific time, he was working at Caesars here in Vegas. And, you know, I was like maybe nine or ten years old, so there's nothing to do for a kid in Vegas besides Circus Circus back back then, then, right? You know? And uh, I remember, like, looking at the clock, like, 
it's like two o'clock in the afternoon, like he's still asleep, and it's just me and him, and I'm like, there's no cartoons on TV, there's nothing on for me. And I remember going into his room, and you know, in the hotels, you can get it so black, like yeah. pitch black, you know? But he smoked back then. And I could find where my dad, where the bed was, just he would literally wake up, and he'd light a cigarette, and then he would fall asleep smoking. Oh, that's dangerous. And he'd fall asleep with the cigarette either in his hand or in his mouth. That's so dangerous. But I would just be guided to that little orange dot. That's dangerous. You know, and I would find him, but yeah. Rodney yeah. had a joke, uh, no respect for something like that. Right. I fell asleep with a cigarette in my mouth, mouth my wife lit it. <laughs> <laughs> he was the best. Those specials, I mean, that first, that I want to say it was 86 was when Dice... And Kiss yeah. and we're on that one, yeah, that yeah, one, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, 80, 85 was, it was the first okay. one. The first one had Kennison, uh, Yakov Smirnoff, Louis Anderson, Bob Saget, Rita Rudner, and myself. Okay. And then the one, the one after that had Roseanne, Robert Townsend, Jeff yep. Altman, Kennison yep. again, Bob Nelson. I left out yep. Bob Nelson. And then the third one had Dom, Sh Dom Schimmel. Schimmel. Yep. Barry Sobel. Yep. Um, uh, Lenny Clark. Yep. Uh, Dice, Dice was the breakout. Was that one. Yeah. He became. A, he was doing I remember, arenas. Yeah. He was doing arenas right after that. With yeah. my high school buddies, I remember watching that. I don't think to this day I've laughed harder yeah. than that first time. That whole special from yeah, start to yeah, finish, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. Dice just put you away. Back then, this is pre-YouTube, pre-you know, uh, so pre-internet. You know, yeah, <laughs> these guys are on an HBO special. Right. That Rodney's hosting, and then the next day you go out on the street, and a hundred people recognize you. Right. I mean, today, today you could do the Tonight Show, and nobody could never even know. Totally. Because who turns in? You know what right. I mean? Yeah. All the time and stuff like that. It's oversaturated but now. The last guy on the Tonight Show to really break out was Drew Carey. I remember Drew Carey. He did it when Johnny was on, and he did a bit where he had a, he had a tie in his own yep. body, and he would put the tie up. He had cardboard in it, so he could make it look like he's running and the tie is going like this. But I just remember the next day, everybody, oh, that guy, that nerdy guy, yeah. you know? And then, like, cut to, like, a year later, and he had a sitcom and stuff yeah. like that. But um, I think the shows that do that for you now are the, the competition shows, like AGT. Yeah. yeah. You know, and um, Chelsea Lately was a good show for comedians, too. Like, uh, there were a, a bunch of... Comedians that became famous. Lonnie Love was on that. And, oh, that's um, right. Mm -hmm. Josh Wolf and. Uh, you want another round? Yeah, sure. Let's get another you another round. Coke. Thank you so much. Hit us again, Miriam. Sure. <laughs> but, but you know, back in the heyday in the '70s, when your dad <clears throat> was at the top of his game and had his own show, you know, there were all those shows that you could do. You know, sure. Mike Douglas and, and Merv, Dinah Shore, Dinah Shore, and uh, the Tonight Show, and. Yep. And then Sonny and Cher, Dean Martin. Yep. You know, people existed. You know, star. You know, Rich Little became right. a star from all of those shows. Right. You know, so many personalities. They would go, and then on game shows like the, I'm sure your dad has done the. What is the Pyramid Show? What was that? Show oh, twenty five thousand. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those shows yeah. were great. All those game shows. Yeah. yeah. Hollywood Squares. And they paid well back then right. too. I think. Right. You know, like you could just. It was a cool thing to yeah. be on them. Yeah, yeah. Match Game and all yeah. that stuff. You know. The '80s and early '90s was like the big comedy boom. True, right? And yeah. then it seemed like it went away. And now I feel like the the last like maybe two three years there it was a seems to be back yeah, back. The, the, the '80s was the comedy boom. HBO, Showtime were doing those specials. Guys were becoming superstars like Dice and Sam like right away out of those specials. Thank you. Um, uh, the young comedian specials. 
A&E evening at the Improv. Uh, there were a couple of things like that. VH1, MTV had some comedy shows. Then all these comedy clubs popped up all over the place, right? And they were like, we're doing such good business without having to book a star. Just the clubs? Right. Yeah. So they were booking feature acts or opening acts as headliners. So all the guys that were on the TV specials and all, they weren't getting the bookings because they're being cheap. And then these clubs started to close. I remember. So in and the, in big the late, name clubs were closing. Yeah, in the late right. 90s, they, like, they were like, Tons of now. There's still a lot of improvs all over the place, but there were Funny Bones, right. were all these club chains, and like you know, maybe they were paying headliners, normal headliners, like 3,500 for the weekend. You know, now they're going, well, we could pay 1,500 and just book these guys and make money off the food, and drink. Right. Then they that's why up, I worked a lot. Then they wound oh, up. Yeah. Now then they wound up papering the rooms. <laughs> you know, like they were right. giving away free tickets. Now in town, we have a thing called house seats and fill seats. And people pay membership to be a part of it. And you can go to a show for free. It's great when a new show starts out. Yep. You know, and Spreads they the just need to get people. But the thing is, it's a good audience. They're like, you know, like if you don't show up, you get penalized. And then you can lose your membership. So you can count on these people coming. They're going to be a good audience. They're going to laugh. Maybe they won't buy drinks and stuff like that. Right. But it helps fill out the room uh, with your... But on the road, what these clubs were doing, and they still do it today, they paper the room. So they may have a phone bank of 10 people on the on the phones going, hey, you won tickets to the Funny Bone next week. You know, uh, Bob Zaney's the headliner, but you got to use it on Thursday and Friday. You have four tickets, right? Would you like to go? Uh, no, I can't. Well, then can we call you for the next, the next time? They're going to call them like next week, right? right? So now they oversell the show. They know that, that it's a slow week. So let's say the room holds 300. They'll still give away 400, 500 seats because they have a two drink minimum. So they're going to make all the money off of the food and the mm -hmm. drink. Yep. Now people in town start to go, well, I don't have to buy tickets. They're going to call me. I got free tickets, comp tickets. So a club can ruin a market. Like there were a couple of clubs in uh, Philadelphia that all they did was comp. And then a big chain came in and they wanted to book stars. And the people weren't buying tickets because they're going, well, the other two clubs, they gave away tickets. Why would I, would I right. do that? So that killed a lot of clubs, right? And also Comedy Central and the Hot Channel were out at the same time and they eventually merged. Yep. So you could see a lot of comedy on TV. This is pre-YouTube. And yep. people are like, well, we don't have to go out. We could see it on TV. Right. There's the HBO specials, the Showtime specials. So there was a while there in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s where comedy clubs took a hit. And then the quality started going up again. And, you know, Netflix and only really yeah. good comics are getting specials and stuff like that. And uh, oh, when they had the writer's strike and the actor's strike, then it affected everything. Like co comedians who used to do theaters years ago, now they're doing clubs. So now Rob Schneider will be at an improv. Right. And then Harry Basil or Bob Zaney gets pushed down. And we don't play that room anymore. We're playing Chuckle Nuts or whatever. The smaller room in town right. because that club is getting all the SNL guys and all the big stars you know what I mean yeah so but it but it comes back around again because now there's like cruise ships so there's a whole bunch of guys that just make a living on cruise ships and years ago a cruise ship comic was like a hack label you know but now yeah. they have comedy clubs so they'll book dirty comics they'll book you know right. so a lot, of, a lot of a lot of clubs uh, a lot of comics 
just do cruise ships, mm-hmm. or they do colleges, yep. or then there's casinos, Indian casinos. I know your dad plays a lot of Indian casinos. Everywhere. There's money. That's the bread and butter. I mean, years ago, it would just be <coughs> Atlantic City, uh, Vegas, yep. and Tahoe. Tahoe. You know, now there's a casino within 50 miles of wherever you live in this country. 100%. And like in San Diego, there's like three yeah. big casinos, Pachanga, but then the Morongo, all those yep. things. Yeah. So they'll book big stars like your da- like your dad or Kenny Rogers, or all of a sudden you know Daniel Tosh is there like the week afterwards. Right. So you go, oh my God, who was your last week? Tony Orlando, legend, and now this week it's some hot new comic. You know what I mean? So so that's pretty cool. Yeah. So there's always something. You know what I mean? Like right now in Vegas, there's four A comedy rooms. Right? There's the Laugh Factory at the Tropicana. Brad Garrett at the uh, uh, at the MGM, yep. the Comedy Cellar at the Rio, yep. and Jimmy Kimmel at the um, at the Link. Link. So, so those are the, the stratosphere. Or no? Okay, yeah. Now, now the, when I say A rooms, I, I don't want to get crap for this, but yeah. those are big brands. Big, right. Now then, at the stratosphere, you have the LA Comedy Club. Right, you, got the smaller ones. you might have Bonkers at the Palace Station. Yep. Um, there's another one. There was one. Called the Empire Comedy Club that was over at the uh, the Palms, you know. Yep. So they come and go. I mean, I'm shocked that the Improv isn't here anymore. That's a big brand, right? And they were at Harris for like 20 years, 25 years. So after we opened, I'm sure we hurt their business. Yeah. And then the cellar opened, and that you know kind of put the nail in the coffin over there. And is it competitive for you? So like, if someone plays at Jimmy Kimmel's, yes. can they play it, for you? Okay, I'm a comic first. Than a booker and club owner second. Right. I'm never going to tell a comedy a comedian that they can't work somewhere. The only thing I ask for is three weeks front and back from our date because I put billboards up. So right. it's, it's embarrassing if all of a sudden right. you're advertising a guy right. here and he's across the street. Which is actually right. the you same know. stipulation for people like my dad. You know, yeah. if he's at South well, Point, I actually think I think it's but, 90 but days South for him. Point, yeah, yeah, but they, but like sometimes they want you to be loyal to that hotel. Sure. If they give you more. You right. know. Uh, I would never do that to anyone. Uh, I just, like I said, because we advertise, and um, to me it looks like lazy booking, too. Yeah. You know, like if, oh, we just saw the same guy for free over at that club. They come, right. you know what I mean? Right. So, but now the local acts, like the hosts and the features, I let them work, you know, where, you know, even if it's the week before, the week after. It's like, you know, again, I'm not going to tell a guy he can't make money. Right. I mean, yeah, I've had guys call me and say, hey, man, I just got booked at the at the cellar, and I've been trying to get in there for like a year. It's the same week that I have you. Do you mind moving my date? And I'm like, no, it's like six months away. Yeah, I'm happy you got in there. You right. know what I mean? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy. Because you for the you guys. understand the grind. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. And there's guys that are my friends, and I want them to work. Right. You know, it's tough today. You know, there's comics who are calling me and like, hey man, I'm having trouble making my rent. If you got anything coming up, I'll even feature or host. And, and these are headliners. Yeah, and I say, well, look, don't host. You know what I mean? Right. And don't host in another club. As much as you need the money, because it's, then it's tough for me to headline you if you're hosting across the street. You know what I mean? Right. Hold out for the, you know, it's right. one thing to, you know, if you want to feature, I'll book you as a special guest star and put your photo on the artwork, too, which I've done with some guys. You know what I mean? So they get to pick up a third week or something. Right. Because now there's just so many new guys. Like, a guy called me today. And I was like, how did this guy get my number? So he goes, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'd love to play your room. So I 
I Googled him and I saw YouTube footage and he's funny. I yeah. was like, this guy's great. I called him back right away. I said, hey, I have a fallout. It's a host, but it's a way of getting you in the room. You're working with two other really great acts. Uh, so he's coming in like two weeks. He's going to be here. And it just happened. Yeah. You're calling me out of the blue. You know? It doesn't always happen that way. Right. No. Normally I would say, hey, who gave you my number? You know? Right. And back in the day, they had to like FedEx you a VHS tape. Oh right? <laughs> <laughs> like you'd, you'd come into the office and you'd have like 12 FedExes, I, I right? Just, I used, I used to be out my garage. I threw out a bunch of... Uh, Headshots, Headshots like and tapes. Like, what was I thinking? Right, yeah, right, right. cassette tapes and then oh, yeah. DVDs made it a little easier. Right. Now, you you could just text a guy. A guy can text you, and all of a sudden you're looking at a clip. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, people would say to me, "Is it harder today or easier?" I, you know, to make it in this business, I say both because, like we talked about, the Tonight Show or the HBO special, you could be on one TV show. And then everyone recognizes you the next day, your ticket sales go up, and then somebody offers you a development deal and you have a series. Uh, Tim Allen was on in the Just for Last Festival in Montreal. He killed. Next thing you know, that same year he wound up getting an ABC deal and had, you know, his TV series, right? But today, somebody could become a star with this. Right. You could all of a sudden become an internet star, right? You know, Instagram and whatnot, or shoot yourself and then send it to someone. I watch, uh, you know, Stranger Things, and you look at the making of. Yeah. All those kids were cast by a iPhone audition. Really? They're from England. They, their parents filmed them yeah. doing the lines, and then they got brought over here and had callbacks. So you see that all the time, you yeah. know? Uh, it's, it's amazing, yeah. you know? This is a movie studio. Yeah. Have you had it? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I get asked to do slates uh, if I do a casting. They'll be like, hey, can you give She's me She's a dancer this? also. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a dancer, and then I, I'm dabbling into doing commercials and acting a little bit. Not like full actor, but just like one-liners and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, they'll ask me, like, here's your line, slate it for me, send it to me. And then the producer or the yeah. casting director casts yeah. that way now. It's amazing. You don't even have to show up. You just send your resume, your pictures, everything electronically. Yeah, about four years ago. There was a comic that we had, and he goes, oh, man, I have an audition. Could you do me a favor and help shoot me? I'm like, okay. I went up to the room, and I realized, okay, this is it. Now, I've directed a bunch of movies. Most of the movies, when I looked at tape, it was shot, you know, from a tripod, you know, camera like this, and, and it's in a casting office, and you hear the casting director reading the lines. And like that. Now it's somebody's mom or dad doing it or a friend doing it, you know? I have a friend, Bill Dawes. He's a great comic. He's one of our headliners. He needed to read opposite a girl. He called an escort service and had her hilarious. read the lines. And hate her. I said, well, yeah. I said, wouldn't give that be him, hysterical? Give him my number too. Wouldn't All that be hysterical if she got cast and you didn't? You oh know what I mean? If she's just an escort? Yeah. And she's like saying, funny. do it again. I don't believe it. You know what I mean? Like she's giving yeah. him critique. That's the funniest thing I ever heard. Have you had any um, anyone with like just huge social media followings? that want to do stand-up, have no experience, reach out to you and say like, hey, I've got yes. 800,000 yeah. followers. Like there was there was this one social media star, I'd never heard of them before. She plays comedy clubs like on a Sunday or a Saturday at two o'clock. They give her the room for free. She gets the 100% uh, the of the door and merch sales. And then the club has a two item minimum. Yep. Well, they reached out to us, and the Long Beach Laugh Factory had her. They sold it out. She has fans here, a fan base here. But we couldn't do it because the the box office company takes a $9 fee. 
You know what I mean? Okay. And then there's, so they have to control the box office and we don't have the bar, the hotel does. So there's nothing for us to make off of it. Got it. You know what I mean? So it's hard to do those type of shows here. Like, like we, we were going to book Doug Benson. Doug loves movies. He's got this huge podcast and he does it live. Yeah. Well, all of his fans are stoners, right? So he never wants his ticket to be over $20. But if we say, okay, it's $20, but then the box office takes a $9 fee, you know, there's, there's no room to make money for something like that. So right. we're limited. You know, we're limited for that kind of stuff. But Tommy T, who produces Earthquake and produced... Um, Bruce Bruce, yep. he brought in this guy named DC Youngfly, okay? So DC Youngfly, is a, he's a comic, but he's a social media star. He's got 8 million Instagram followers. Wow. We we promoted him three weeks out, and he sold out. Right. And now, but the tickets were expensive, you yep. know, like, you know, because we have VIP, Golden Circle, you know, so, okay. so the tickets went from like $49 to $69, and he sold out, so everybody made money. You know, they paid us rent, and that right. all worked out. But I was amazed at his social media following, you know? And how it could sell tickets, and he was funny too. And he did a just a regular. He did 15, a regular. Re- he did he did uh, 35, 40 minutes, and then he had two guys go up before him. So it was a one hour, five minute show uh, for four nights. So he was excited. He posted every day, "Hey, I'm in Vegas." He was showing the billboards, the marquees, and everything. This is my residency, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he's an African American guy. I hope I'm. Not- like doing this stereotypical character, but he's yeah. a real. No, I get he's it. a lot like Chris Tucker. He's sure. high energy and yeah. real urban, real urban. Yeah. I should have said that up front before yeah. I started <laughs> no, to do an impression. They of get the guy. it. They know. They, yeah. yeah, like like if I was to say, oh yeah, Jerry Bettenhoff. He's the guy from Forty Year Old Virgin, the Indian guy. Right. You know? <laughs> you're a good Indian guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. It's an easy impression. Do you do? You did before we started rolling. You did one of my favorite. Yep, no, there he is. I just saw the Irishman. <laughs> I saw the Irishman. We were Al Pacino, Harvey Keitel, Ray Romano, Robert. Not one Irishman in that movie, but it's called The Irishman. <laughs> Wait, anyway, did you go to the premiere? I went to a, a SAG screening in LA. Oh, okay. Because I'm on the SAG nominating committee. And they spoke afterwards, and it was freaking awesome. My the buddy Randall great. is the producer on that, Randall Oh, Limit. wow. Yeah. It's a really good movie, and uh, they did Q&A afterwards, and I, we were so close, you could reach out and touch them. But I'll show you. I'll show the uh, audience see. how close we were to Pacino. That movie got a 100. Yeah, it's it's awesome on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, really? That's yeah. Close that's we close. Were. I mean, that's two legends right there. You see wow. that? Wow. Pacino anyway, and De Niro. Uh, Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa. It's the best role he's had in years, and his performance is amazing. I think he's going to win Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, they're all. You're hearing it here first. Uh-oh. Rob, uh oh. I mean, Al Pacino, Best Supporting Actor for the Irish. Do you think Irish. it could it win Best Picture too? It's going to win Best Picture and Best Director too. Really? Best Screenplay. Yeah. It's that good, yeah, isn't the, it? Uh, what's his name's going to win Best Actor from the Joker? Uh, uh, Joaquin, Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you seen it? Oh, and, right, and, right, and, right. I, and yeah. I haven't seen it, but I heard. That uh, Renee Zellweger is great as Judy Garland. So oh, I haven't probably, seen that either. But she'll I want probably to take my mom win. She'll that. probably yeah. win Judy. And then I saw um, Little Women, uh, and uh, after that screening, Greta Gerwig, the director, you know, she also did uh, Lady Bird, and the star of Lady Bird, she was in it, and uh, Meryl Streep and uh, Laura Dern spoke afterwards. You're still a big movie yeah. guy. And then Saturday, last Saturday, I'm I saw. I yeah. saw It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with Tom Hanks talking after. So last You've week, seen it? Last week. I saw all these movies last week. So I you last week, I saw five <laughs> of the greatest actors of all time talk right. after their movies. 
Oh, wow. that's neat. Yeah, it was neat. And Tom Hanks was great. He's, he's so good. I would love to yeah. meet him. And he, now he's he's a big contender for supporting actor too, because uh, uh, I think that role, Mr. Rogers, is a, it's a, it's in the supporting category. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there's another character who's okay. the lead. Oh, okay. It's kind of like, did you see that movie on HBO about Hervé Villachez? No. Okay, it's really good. But movie. I loved it. Army Hammer plays a reporter who spent a weekend with Hervé Villachez to write a story. Real quick, uh, before your time, once again, yes. she's young and doesn't watch television. Uh, there was a show called Fantasy Island. Okay. The I heard a little person. Let me get in trouble. I've yes, thank you. I almost this. got in trouble. Thank you. A little you. person. Yes, I almost uh, used the M word. Hervé Villachez, he was a, a French uh, uh, a little person actor, and he played a sidekick character called Tattoo. And, and, uh... De plane, de plane, de plane. yeah. And, yeah. uh... <laughs> How was that? He would... Every episode began with a plane arriving with all of these people on the island, and then they all had fantasies. They got... And, it was and a good the, show. the opening credits were him ringing a bell going, De plane, de plane. Yeah. He was also in a, uh, in a James Bond movie called uh, The Man with the Golden Gun. He played a sidekick. Oh, that's knack, right. Knick-knack. But anyway, so they did a movie with him on HBO about this young reporter, this is in the 80s, spending a weekend with him and writing a story about his life, and then he wound up committing suicide, you know, shot himself. And then the article came out. This is about a real-life reporter who wrote for Esquire magazine, who's a very jaded, dark kind of personality, and he's given this fluff piece to write a story on Mr. Rogers. And he doesn't want to do it, and he's just thinking this guy can't be for real, and then he finds out he is for real, and there's nothing derogatory you can write about him, and how Mr. Rogers changed his life because of the things that were going on, the personal things and tragedies that were going on in his life. Yeah. The goodness of Mr. Rogers affects being his friend and doing this interview totally affects his life, and it's a, such a sweet, uplifting movie. Yeah. With, a great performance by Tom Hanks as uh, as Mr. Rogers. I can't wait to yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Hanks told they said what was the hardest thing about making this movie? And he goes doing the opening where I have to sing the song and take off my jacket and put on the sweater and take off my shoes and put on the slippers. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighborhood. And he goes he goes you can't curse on this, right? You can, oh, sure. He Let goes, fly. He goes, I'm going to say something a little anti-Mr. Rogers right now. The toughest thing was putting on those fucking shoes you know, <laughs> while I, before the song ends because right. the song is so quick and you got to smile and do this. And he said they made the shoes like double size so he could just slip them on. Right. You know, Movie always good to be. Right you know, remember how he takes, it's a beautiful day yep. in his neighborhood. And he had to nail it. And the thing is, Mr. Rogers... I think he did it live every time. Like he, I think you're right. He, because he would go right into the dialogue what the right. show was about. And you yeah. go, and I'm sure people were probably saying, Fred, why don't we just use the tape and then cut to you? But, you know, also he aged, so you can't all of a sudden see him doing it right. when he's like 40 and then right. cut to him doing it when he's like 50, you know? Right. But uh, it was great to hear him talk about the movie and stuff like that and the playing the character and getting into that frame of mind. I can blow your mind right now. You probably don't know that Tom Hanks started out as a comedian. No. Yes. No. No. No? He no. said no. He did stand-up. 
No, he did stand up for the he movie Punchline. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Really? I'm gonna I'm gonna beg to differ. Okay, maybe he tried it. Now it I need to work. look it up. I'm pretty sure he started as a stand-up. I don't think so. I think he was a stage actor. Uh, now I gotta look it up. He was a stage actor. I gotta actor. look it up. He was a stage actor and did some commercials and was in a horror film, and then wound up getting um, uh, Bosom Buddies. Right. Yeah. And then after Splash and Bachelor Party and you know his star was on the rise. He got the movie Punchline with Sally Fields. Which I remember that. Be a stand-up. Right. And he would go to the comedy store and the improv with Barry Sobel. Pacino tried stand-up. He tried stand-up. But, you know, back... Before Rodney opened Dangerfields, the only comedy club was the improv in New York City. Yep. And then Catch came. Uh, but there were no comedy clubs. Back in the day, you play these places like the Glass Hat or the Copacabana. And a comic went on before... Right before the, the music act. Right. And then there was only a handful of guys that were headliners, like Bob Hope, you know what I mean, Jack Benny, uh, Henny Youngman. Yeah. But they would still play nightclubs, you know, them, and there might be, uh, uh, you know, a music act that was the headliner. Yeah, you know? Henny Youngman. Yeah. King of the one-liner. Rodney loved Henny Youngman. He was inspired by Henny Youngman. And back in the old days, the movie theaters in New York, like the Paramount Theater, Comics would go on before the movie, okay? So like Martin and Lewis would go, and D. Martin and Jerry Lewis would go on before one of their movies. They would do like maybe a 20-minute stand-up set, and then the movie would be over, and then they would do the next screening. And they couldn't get the audience to leave when Dean and Jerry were there because they were just such huge fans. So Dean and Jerry would have to go in the alley and perform out the window. So somebody would run into the theater and say, they're outside, they're outside. That was their way of clearing the house to sell tickets. No one wanted to leave. You know what I mean? They would wow. stay. So Rodney went to see some bad movie three times so he could see Henny Youngman perform live, you know, when he was young. It's funny to think that Henny was older than Rodney, you know what I mean? But I guess maybe by 15, 20 years or something like that, you know? I know it's hard, but in your opinion, if you had to name a top three comedians of all time, Who's your top three? Well, you could be in this category too, right? <laughs> this, this is this is what's always on the list. Yeah. Okay. Every list that you'll see that they'll say the top, they'll always say Pryor, Carlin, and then they may throw in uh, Chris Rock or Jerry Seinfeld. You know yep. what I mean? That would be Eddie. Eddie was a good comic, but he's not still doing it. So right. to me, that's not. He had his. And he was hysterical, and his specials were great. Right. But I put Cosby above him, even though he's a fallen star. Cosby was Eddie great. Eddie kind of did the Barry Sanders. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I would say the top five comics of all time, you know, is definitely Carlin. Uh, uh, not in this particular order. Yeah. Carlin, uh, Richard Pryor. Uh, uh, I'm going to put Rodney up there because I just think Rodney's a great one-liner yeah. comic. Who also went into movies and was able to take his jokes and stick them in his dialogue. Right. There's only a handful of guys that could do that. Groucho Marx, Billy Crystal. You know, if you watch a Billy Crystal movie, you'll hear these one-liners and you go, oh, that's like out of his stand-up act. Oh, and definitely Robin Williams. I'd put Robin up there, too. So you got Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Robin Williams, Rodney Dangerfield, Jerry Seinfeld. And then I would say uh, Chris Rock. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, Eddie, Eddie's a little further down. I love Gary Shanley. I think Gary, Gary Shanley was great. Was great. Yeah. He was great. He was really great. Johnny Carson was a stand-up and a TV personality, but didn't go on tour a lot and do, right. do his act, you know, out yeah. on the road. You know? Your favorite host ever, though, oh, for a talk show is Johnny, is right? him, and then, then David Letterman, right, yeah. right behind him. You know? Yeah. I love Letterman. Did you ever see when Letterman had, I think, heart surgery? Yes. And he Vince had Vaughn those. stepped in for one or two nights. Yeah, and a lot of people great. did. great. Yeah, but Vince you know... Vaughn? Yeah. Really? Back in, the, back in the old days, when Johnny Carson hosted The Tonight Show, he used to take off a lot, okay? So there would always be guest hosts. I'm sure your dad's guest hosted before. He didn't. He was on the show when Freddie Prinze guest hosted. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there would be guys like, okay, the ones, the, the top ones towards the end of Johnny Carson's career were Joan Rivers, Jay Leno. Yep. Uh, and then uh, David Brenner. Okay. Those were the David top. Brenner, those yeah, were yeah. the top three guest hosts. And there was talk that Joan Rivers was going to take over. Right. But then they wanted to given the show to Jay Leno. But Letterman, who was on after Carson, had his own show produced by Johnny Carson Productions. Uh, he wanted The Tonight Show, and they wound up giving it to Leno. So so Dave wound up quitting NBC, his late night show, which wound up becoming the Conan O'Brien show. Right. Uh, and now it's James Corden? I think so. No. The other Seth guy. Myers. Now Seth it's Seth Myers. Myers. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then Dave went over to CBS, and he went against Leno. No one's ever gone against Johnny Carson. Like, they tried, but they failed. You know, a couple right. of other people tried to go in that 1130 spot. And even Joan Rivers, when she knew she wasn't going to get The Tonight Show, she knew that it was going to be Jay Leno. She, Fox made a deal with her. Right, I remember. And she went against, and Johnny worked even harder to bury her because he was pissed off. The only person to successfully go against Johnny Carson was was Arsenio Hall. Right. And what Arsenio did was he created his own audience. Right. He didn't try to steal from Johnny. So so the Joan Rivers show wound up becoming the Arsenio Hall show. Right. What happened was they canceled Joan, then they just put some guest hosts in there. Louis Anderson did it for a while. Then it wound up becoming John Mulrooney for like maybe six months. Oh God, how do you and remember then, this? And then it wound up becoming Chris Spencer. Chris Spencer. Chris Spencer, I know Chris Spencer. And it was produced by, uh, God, what's his name? Quincy Jones, okay? okay? So they called it something else, and then eventually it became the Arsenio Hall Show. And Arsenio created a whole new audience of, I guess it would have been millennials for that time. Sure. Young people tuned in. Yeah. You know, Bill Clinton was on and played the sax. So so Arsenio's numbers were great. And when Jay Leno went on the air, Jay was only making like 2.6 million a year or four four million a year. And Arsenio was making 9 million because he had an audience, you know. And he also had his, uh, you know, the commercials, the sponsors and stuff like that. So it's pretty pretty wild. And now there's just so many shows. Yeah. You know, Kimmel eventually on ABC. Nobody ever wanted to take, I, uh, what was not, I forgot what the news show was that was on Channel 7, you know, they would always show a murder, Nightline, Date, Dateline, 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 yeah, yeah, Dateline, they were like, well, we can't move Dateline, it's such a high-rated thing, right. and then, again, eventually they moved it, because then you had CNN, MSNBC, so network news was not as big as the cable news. It's amazing how everything pushes yeah. everything and shuffles everything all around. Yeah. I've obviously had a lot of coffee. 
No, you've been fantastic, man. I could sit here all night, all day with you. I mean, I just, can't believe I'm just yapping away. No, I, I had this a was great. Starbucks. <laughs> Listen, I woke up at seven this morning, took the dogs out, had my coffee at home. Then a buddy wanted to meet at eleven in Henderson. I had like a coffee there, two diet cokes. So I'm flying like a kite. It was incredible. I, I, wanna, need I a wish toilet. we could do more. If I had breakfast, I would need a toilet. Right <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. Do you love living in Vegas? I like it. You know, um, I miss LA. Like when I go back for those screenings, really? I miss that. I miss because you got to realize when I lived in LA, I made movies. I right. was a writer, director, and I miss that part. Unless I can get some production going here. And then my son is there, and we have a lot of friends. You know, we live, I lived there for 35, 30 right. years, you know? Yeah, I mean, I grew up but there. But the cool thing about booking guys is I get to have my buddies. Like, Dom is coming next week. Right. So we'll hang out at the club every night when Dom Marrera is here. Can we get Dom on here? Uh, yeah. Would we'll he do it? Down. Yeah, he'll do it. Oh, my God. Wait, 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 Even if you, we have to go to him. Even if we have to go to the dressing room. Tape? What day do you tape? We'll move the day. Okay. He comes in on Tuesday. Maybe we can get him on Wednesday. Oh, man. Yeah, totally. I'm in. Can you, are you Are you here Wednesday? I mean, I'll do without you. I mean, it's that important. It's oh, that important. He's staying here. Damn. The he's staying Love at the it. Dom Herrera was one of my all-time favorites. I mean, there's serious. another guy. You're geeking out right now. hilarious. One of his best friends is performing with him that week. His name is Mike Sacconi. He actually won Star Search. He's a good guy, too. Okay. If you want to have the two of them. Yeah, I would love know. it. Yeah. I would love it. Man, Harry, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank this you was for so coming. nice to meet yeah, you. Yeah, so nice to meet Harry you. Harry Basil with the Vegas junkies today. I love it. Yeah, you could go to troplv.com or uh, lapfactory.com to find out who we have coming up. Yeah, check it out. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Meow, meow. <laughs>